Donald Trump is bringing in a bunch of tanks for the 4th of July, and everybody is asking me, Tim, are you gonna go down to DC to see the tanks? No, I'm not. I think it's silly, and I think people are right to criticize Trump for having a bunch of tanks in DC to stroke his ego. But I certainly do not believe that putting on a bunch of putting a bunch of tanks on display is some kind of authoritarian nightmare where you've got some people actually equating it to Tiananmen Square. Please. It's decoration as far as I'm concerned. That's nuts. I'll tell you what is disconcerting to me. There have been many Democrats who have made statements that actually are authoritarian, such as this woman, Frederica Wilson, who said people should be prosecuted for making fun of uh, members of Congress. Now, listen, you have heard me say this time and time again, if you watch my channel, that one of the greatest things about America is that I can walk up to anyone, politician, billionaire or otherwise, and say, F you. You can't, there's limits, like you can't run up somebody in their face or anything, but no, I can look to, you know, I'm not going to get arrested. I'm not going to be prosecuted for telling this woman, she, you know, for for swearing, look, I'm not going to swear at her or insult her because you know what kind of person I am, but absolutely not. In America, we're allowed to tell politicians whatever we want for the most part, like you can't threaten them or incite violence. She does bring that up. The point I'm trying to make is I can make fun of you all I want and there's nothing you can do about it. That's why this country is great. But it's not just Frederica Wilson. There have been other people calling for censorship. And I, and I covered this recently when Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Warren said that tech companies should be taking down lies because they're racist. Just because someone has a conversation you don't like doesn't mean you can take them down. So here's what we're going to do. Let's take a look at various instances where we have seen the freakish authoritarianism emerging on the left. And I've got a bunch of stories for you. But before we get started, Head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's a monthly donation option, a crypto option, a physical address. But of course, the best thing you can do, share this video. YouTube no longer suggests my videos in the same way as everyone else on YouTube. It's true for all political channels. If you think my content is good, I ask you to share it to suggest it to other people. But let's read the news. From the Daily Wires, Ryan Saavedra. Democratic Rep. Frederica Wilson led a congressional delegation to inspect an immigration detention facility on Tuesday. And following her visit, she said that people who are making fun of members of Congress online should be prosecuted. She, she really did. Seriously. It's like, come on, man. She's okay. They went inside around 1 p.m. This is a quote. They, were, they, went, they went inside around 1 p.m. with the purpose of investigating the conditions that, that, uh, that migrant children are living in, CBS Miami reported. Joining Wilson was fellow South Florida uh, Rep. Donna Shalala, Rep. Benny Thompson, Brenda Lawrence, Yvette Clark, Catherine Clark, John Lewis, and Madeline Dean. Here's, here's the quote. Those people who are online making fun of members of Congress are a disgrace, and there is no need for anyone to think that is unacceptable, Wilson said during a press conference. We are going to shut them down and work with whoever it is to shut them down, and they should be prosecuted. First, let's go over the weird... Wait, wait, wait. There is no need to, for anyone to think that is unacceptable. Right. That's a, that's a, that's a double negative. She's saying it is acceptable, but you know what she was trying to say, because she goes on to say, we are going to shut them down. Look, I get it. That can be, um, you know, if you're not going to take it literally, it could just mean like, we're going to rise up to the challenge. It could mean we're going to be louder than them. But when she goes on to say they should be prosecuted, we know what she actually means. She is saying, as a government actor who is being ridiculed, she wants to shut down the speech and, and, and arrest people, prosecute them for insulting her, for making fun of her. Sorry, that's not the way it works. Now, this is just one small story, right? 
She does go on to say you can't threaten members of Congress. She's right in that regard, but she's wrong in the regard you can prosecute somebody for being mean to you. This is the direction things have been going for a long time. Okay. The regressive left type individuals have been saying things like, you know, people say, you know, say I'm crazy and stupid on the internet. Yeah, well, that's too bad. But what happens? Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, they actually create policies saying no being mean to people on the internet. Now, look, from a a, a personal ethics and philosophical perspective, I agree. Don't be mean to people. Like I can be mean sometimes. I'll say someone's stupid or insane, but, but rarely. You guys, like, I'm not even willing to tell her off and, and, and swear at her because I, that's just not who I am. Although I certainly respect the right of individuals to do that. It, was, it's, it's, it is what makes this country great. We have the right to challenge those in power, right? Plain and simple. But we have this movement where people are burning free speech signs. They're saying bigotry and hate speech. You can't, like, they don't want you being mean on the internet. But what's crazy is, and here's where it gets interesting, they are mean on the internet. They say mean things and it's okay. They say speech is violence, but throwing milkshakes isn't. We know the game. Uh, you, you can see the game they're playing. It's not all of the Democrats, but it's too many of them. You know, you know, I'm personally a fan of Andrew Yang and Tulsi Gabbard. And now I'm actually a bit of a fan of Marion Williamson because I think she's just like this fun hippie lady. And it's, it's, it's kind of fun to hear her talk and like see her tweets. I'm, I'm, you know, you get it. But, uh, but Yang and Gabbard have been pr- pretty consistent on free speech. And, you know, I can respect that. Unfortunately, there are too many Democrats who are not consistent and are just playing up for tribal reasons. Let's take a look at some of the other terrifying authoritarian instances we've seen so far. Elizabeth Warren saying it is within the power and obligation of tech companies to stop these vile lies dead in their tracks. This is Elizabeth Warren saying that social media companies, tech companies should be, okay, so let's, let's break this down. What does it really mean to stop the vile lies? Well, she's not necessarily saying to ban speech. She is, right? I'm not going to take her statements literally because how do you stop words in their tracks? You can't. But figuratively, what she's saying essentially is tech companies are obligated to shut down speech, plain and simple. But uh, I I did do a video on this, and I have many more stories I want to go through in terms of the authoritarian left. In this story, and we'll come back to speech issues, we will. In this story, this is an, uh, an opinion piece from just the other day. Kamala, the cop, reiterates promise to take executive action on guns if Congress won't. Look, you want to have a debate on guns, fine, uh, by all all means. But what are we looking at? We're looking at a congresswoman saying we're going to prosecute mean speech. We're looking at at Elizabeth Warren saying the tech companies should stop this, this speech. So there's two authoritarian calls for action in different ways, from the government, from the private sector. And now Kamala Harris saying that if she gets elected, she will take executive action on guns, something the president doesn't have the authority to do. Once again, this is an authoritarian stance of trying to impose their will on others. Listen, if they're going to take the position that they're allowed to do it and other people aren't, and they want to use, like push their will on you, basically not only is it authoritarian, but it's like you're not even consistent in what your your authoritarianism is. So that shows what you're really on about is personal power. If they said hate speech should be banned and I will ban it, and they banned the left and the right. Well, okay, well, they're authoritarian, but at least they're consistent. What we're seeing here is not nothing to do with, with, with actual principle, but what I see is I want power. That's what they're saying when they do this. But don't worry, I got a lot more. In this story, we saw a while ago, February, 08, uh, February 8th, 2019, Democratic Congresswoman threatens black Republican teenager, quote, your right to be afraid of us. Naturally, this woman got heavy pushback. This was Rep. Nadia Velasquez. 
she told CJ Pearson, I'm not the woman sitting next to AOC, to her, and I and millions like us are the future of this country, and you are right to be afraid of us, but you should learn my name. What does that mean, we're the future of this country? She, this is a Hispanic woman telling a black, a young black conservative, they're the future and he should be afraid. Does that sound racist? So this is another good example of kind of the hypocrisy. They talk about intersectionality. They talk about marginalized groups, but we've all seen it, right? They physically, they, they attacked Andy No. Did, did, did they care about his identity? Of course they didn't. These are action. We, we are seeing the mask slip where they are full on authoritarian. And what's really crazy to me, I've got a couple more stories I want to go through in terms of speech and, and the rhetoric, but then I want to show you how when it came to Andy No, and, and you probably know this already, but we're going to go through it. They, 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 they have lied. They have spread lies. They are trying to justify violence. Let's move on. Ocasio-Cortez hit back at her critics with, quote, I am the boss over the Green New Deal. Once again, we can see how she really feels. There have been people tr- who have been trying to solve the environmental crisis for a long time. Many organizations. In fact, I will tell you this. I was one of them. I worked for two different environmental organizations, nonprofits, to raise awareness and help solve these problems. She is not the only one trying to do this, but that's what she said. And she said, I'm the boss. So what's the actual quote they have? She says, um, I just introduced the Green New Deal two weeks ago and it's creating all this conversation. Why? Because no one else has even tried. Some people are like, oh, it's unrealistic. Oh, it's vague. It doesn't address this minute thing. And I'm like, you try, you do it, because you are not, because you are not. Until you do, I'm the boss. How about that? So, so, so let, me, let, me, let me back up. We've seen them say silent speech. We've seen them say, I lose executive action. We've seen them call on the government and the private sector to, to silent speech. Now we can see the ego and the narcissism. Ocasio-Cortez really believes she's the only one trying. She's not. Major unions have been trying. In fact, the AFL-CIO, one of the largest labor unions in the world, came out and said, we have been working on these issues for decades because we are people who work these jobs. Of course, we want to solve these problems. But not only does she think she's the only one doing it, she says, I'm the boss. That is kind of a terrifying delusion. Because she doesn't know other people are working on this, she assumes she has the right to be in charge. That's another layer of the authoritarianism. But let's, uh, we'll, we'll carry on here. Here's another one. This is where Ocasio-Cortez now denigrates those who challenge her by saying, we're in charge and you're just shouting from the cheap seats. Now, I've highlighted this and people claimed I lied for bringing this up. No, Ocasio-Cortez literally said, you're in the cheap seats and we're in charge. It's now about class. She can claim to fight for all the marginalized groups. She can claim to fight for the poor. But when it comes down to it, she says, you're in the cheap seats and we're in charge. They want, they've expressed their desire to silence our speech to call on tech companies, the government. They've called on, you know, uh, using executive authority to impose their will. And they're telling us we're in the cheap seats. Now, what I find truly alarming is outside of just the Democrats. It's how the left in the media has defended and encouraged the violence. This story from Human Events. Twitter elites celebrate brutal Antifa attack on Andy Ngo. <clears throat> Excuse me. Antifa's attack on journalist Andy Ngo was met with glee by Twitter's elite blue checkmark brigade, who expressed their support for their militant leftists. Now this, I want to highlight not only the support for overt violent authoritarianism, but the complete hypocrisy. Again, to reiterate, it's not about principle. They're not coming out here to say we should defend these people. They're coming out to say, I want power. 
Here's an example. Charlotte Clymer, as my understanding, works with the human rights campaign, of which I have fundraised for in the past. They fight for LGBT rights. Yes, Tim Pool has fundraised, one of the top fundraisers of the time, for the human rights campaign fighting for LGBT rights. I did that. Now I'm shocked to see someone justifying a brutal assault on a gay man. And it is. She said that Andy No intentionally provokes people on the left to drive his content. Being attacked today on video by an, uh, taken by an actual journalist is the greatest thing that could have happened to his career. You know it. I know it. He knows it. We all know it. Yes. Andy No, who received a brain hemorrhage. So, so add up all of these instances. And I'll say this. You want to talk about edge cases, right? So uh, I've mentioned this, you know, in a conversation with David Pakman. And David said he believes the regressive left types are their edge cases, meaning they're, they're rare instances. They don't happen all the time. I think it's fair to point out that to a certain degree it is rare, but it's the most prominent, okay? Certainly not every Democrat is endorsing this. No, many are calling it out. CNN called it out, of all people, because they've defended Antifa in the past. But there, uh, there are a lot of Democrats, even Eric Swalwell condemned this. Jake Tapper condemned it. Andrew Yang condemned it. So yes, regular Democrats, even if they are starting to push to the far left, will still call this out. Here's the problem. The influencers of the left, those are the most followers. Yes, there's not, there's not that many people who have as many followers as they do, but it's because they're on top. This is an individual. These are multiple individuals who are advocating extreme violence and they're verified left-wing individuals who are leading the charge. We can look to the grassroots efforts of Democrats and see that for the most part, they want regular things. They want to improve health care. But when you look at who's leading the conversation, look no further than the Democratic debates. They endorsed, they, they endorsed health care for illegal immigrants. They don't want to deport illegal immigrants. So here we can see it is not regular Democrats who are concerned about immigration who are leading the pack. It is these voices who are encouraging the authoritarianism and running defense for it. The most, the hilarious thing is when you can see the overt disinformation campaigns being led. Now, I'll say this. Listen, there are fringe right-wing groups that engage in disinformation campaigns. They're not in media. They don't work for Vox. They're not working for BuzzFeed. They don't work for massive, prominent institutions. Their symbols aren't being flown by corporate brands. They don't appear on MSNBC. The fringe right-wing, right-wing groups were condemned wholeheartedly by most conservatives. What about the left? Continuing to endorse this. Charlotte Clymer of the Human Rights Campaign, a mainstream, a prominent organization. Ocasio-Cortez. These, uh, Kamala Harris. These are politicians pushing this stuff. And of course, as we know, the, the, the tablet magazine and the New York Times outed far left Democrats who are prominent mainstream and supported for being anti-Semites. Linda Sarsour. Then we saw the statements from Ilan Omar. Listen, man, I don't like bigotry and hate and hate speech and people being mean, but I'm not getting that from, say, human events. Are there mean conservatives? Certainly there are. Human events, for instance, is a more well thought out conservative approach, ta- you know, talking about their, the things they support. I disagree with, with most of the conservative positions, except for liberty, because Americans believe in liberty. You can be liberal and believe in liberty. Unfortunately, who's leading the charge? So back to this tweet, or it's like I clicked it over and I didn't talk about it. Look, Robbie Sove, he's a recent editor, said, trolls have been tweeting this doctored fake screenshot of an article I supposedly wrote. My actual article made no such claims and included a vastly different headline. If this is the evolved form of fake news, it's mildly terrifying. I have asked Twitter to take action. They took his article where he said, 
Antifa mob viciously assaults journalist Andy No, and they edited it, took a screenshot, and now it reads, Andy No hires Proud Boys to pose as Antifa and attack him at a rally. This screenshot is now going around, and guess what we see? Once again, the mainstream left. Here we have this story from, the, from Canada's National Observer. Not, I'm not going to act like this is the New York Times, but Carolyn Orr writes an article arguing it's all a disinformation campaign to make Antifa look bad. That's actually not true. There are certainly people who are exaggerating, who are taking things further than, you know, what we can confirm. That's fair, but it's not disinfo. The Portland police said in a statement that one of their officers witnessed someone putting something like quick, uh, consistent with quick drying cement. They saw it in a, in a cup. This is an actual statement. A, a journalist, a woman who I'm not actually a fan of because she smeared me in the past, but she got a statement where the police said they saw what looks like quick concrete in, in a cup. So they put the tweet out. They should. It couldn't result in chemical burns. It was the right thing to do. Andy No doesn't believe that what he was hit with had any quick drying cement in it. He said that. Excellent. But many people were concerned that's what had happened because the police had said they had information. Do you think the police are lying? They're calling it a disinformation campaign. Okay, great. You think it's a conspiracy now? Seriously, they're getting to the point of conspiracy theories where they're arguing the Portland police put out misinformation. And then I wrote, no, listen, when they put out information saying they saw it happen, then it's likely the case. I don't think the police are conspiring against Antifa. That's absurd. Certainly don't think the police like Antifa. But the Portland police probably put out a statement because that's what they saw. And now we can see these articles saying it's an attempt to smear Antifa as violent. Are you joking? It was Antifa who got violent. They get violent all the time. But here we are. So we'll pull up a little bit more. Um, This is a statement from Donald Trump Jr. The media was complicit in a brutal assault on an innocent conservative journalist. And, you know, is not engaged in any violent activities. He just has opinions they don't like. And it's really scary how a lot of the a lot of the answer, like a lot of the responses we see is, what did you think was going to happen when you opposed us? I kid you not. One guy from the New York Times wrote, he, sh- he should have known this would happen. So which is it? Is Antifa violent and you'll defend them because they should have known better? Is Antifa not really violent and it's a disinformation campaign? None of that matters. The main point that I want to get across in this video is that we have seen an increase on the Democratic side of authoritarianism, defense of it, and lies to protect it. So I want to do a quick sweep, and I'm going to end with one more segment that I think is actually kind of funny. What did we see so far? A woman saying we should prosecute those who make fun of Congress people. Someone saying that big tech companies are obligated to remove vile li- things she thinks are lies. Okay. Two government actors calling on government and private sector. Kamala Harris threatening to use executive action to, to get through what she wants. We can see a Democratic congresswoman saying you should fear us. We've got Ocasio-Cortez saying, I'm the boss and you're in the cheap seats. Then it comes to the physical violence and we can see the media defending it. This isn't, it doesn't exist on the mainstream right the way it does on the left. I think all of the far right extremist crazy people, by all means, lock them up, throw away the key. I'm talking about the violent ones who are, who are threatening communities, who are engaging in hate crimes like physical violence against people. Lock them up. If you commit a crime, you go to jail. But these people aren't in Congress. You can argue Steve King. Sure, but they stripped him of all his committees. They, the, the Republicans said, get him out of here. We don't want him. What about the Democrats? What about Elon Omar? What about her statements? What about Ocasio-Cortez speaking at the Women's March, which was put on by known anti-Semites? It's all mainstream. And I'll tell you where it ends. Nike triggered Joe Scarborough tweets epic vent against woke Democrats. Joe Scarborough went on a, a, a tirade 
because the Democrats have gone off the rails. Absolutely, in my opinion. And you know what? Do I have this? I don't have the story pulled up, but there is a New York Times, you know, another graph showing the Republicans going a little to the right, but the left going just off the rails. And here we can see it. He says Democratic candidates now support universal health care for illegal immigrants, making illegal crossing, uh, make it, making illegally crossing America's borders legal and return a return to forced busing. He went on a huge tirade saying the woke Democrats essentially are going to cost the Democrats 2020. Trump's going to win. And now we see Mayor Willie Brown saying no Democrat can win, not even Kamala Harris. It's over. Trump won. And it's true. But you know what? It was really interesting to see Lindsey Graham say this. I think it was during the Brett Kavanaugh hearing. He said, y'all want power and God, I hope you never get it. And it's so crazy to me because, man, I do not like Lindsey Graham. I never did. I never liked any of these Republicans. But I got to tell you, a weird thing has happened where liberal Tim Pool, the mixed race, you know, pro-social justice individual has now found that the left has shown all of these signs of authoritarian violence and the restriction of speech and threats and egotism and narcissism. And it's terrified me. I don't see myself voting for a Republican. I really don't. But I'll tell you this, the Democrats have lost me for sure. I will support Tulsi Gabbard because she's fought, she's pushed back against censorship. She said identity politics is divisive. She's defended free speech and her main policy position is anti-war. And that actually is something that unifies conservatives and liberals anti-war. So I can respect her, but I, but I, I see them cheating. I don't see them giving her a chance. So what are we left with? Authoritarian leftists who are violent, who are slowly, you know, becoming more prominent in Congress, who are identitarian. And that's, that's worrisome. And it's only getting worse. Final thought on the matter. Here we are with a politician saying, prosecute those who make fun of us. You may think it's just one silly woman saying one silly thing, but you know what? It desensitizes us. It's grains of sand in a heap. If this kind of rhetoric persists, we will come to a point where people say, so what? There, look, it's just, listen, you shouldn't make fun of politicians. What do they say now? You freedom, of, freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom from consequence. They say, but my private platform. Now we've moved on from there to government, excuse me, burping. Now we've moved on to actual politicians, not only saying big tech is obligated to remove these people, but they should be prosecuted. Where do you think this goes next? I'll just say it. I say it all the time. Where do you think it goes next? Where do you think we'll be in the next year or two? Trump is going to win. How do you think they will react? They're going to go nuts. They started fires. They torched a limo. They were throwing bricks. It was, it was insanity last, at the last inauguration. What do you think is going to happen when Trump wins again? I, I just see this getting worse every, every day. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment will be at youtube.com slash timcastnews starting at 6 p.m. For those on the podcast, the order is different, but I will have another segment coming up shortly. The podcast will be up every day at 6.30 p.m. And again, timcast.com slash donate if you want to support my work or just share the video on YouTube. Uh, share the video wherever you can if you think people should watch it. Thanks for hanging out. I will see you on the next story. Well, as I predicted yesterday, the move made by Arizona to penalize Nike over their decision to pull the Betsy Ross shoe has resulted in a blue state trying to pick up the slack and provide some incentives for Nike. Now, if you're not familiar with what's going on, it's kind of been an ongoing story. And I thought it was fake at first, right? I, I swear to God. So you actually got, so here's the headline. CA governor after Nike cancels American themed shoe. They represent the best of our American values. So here's what happens. Nike's going to put out a Betsy Ross flag shoe for the 4th of July. Colin Kaepernick calls complaining so Nike pulls the shoe because it's offensive. To who? Seven people on the internet? That's insane to me. Look, 
if you're offended by the American flag, then maybe I don't I don't know what to tell you, man. Like you're in the you're in a, a fringe minority of people. Most people who live in America, like the overwhelming majority, either just like yeah, cool American flag, whatever, or or like the flag. It's 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 actually few people who are that upset and they want to get the flag pulled. Well, look, Nike pulls the shoe. So, you know, the question was how long until they go broke, right? Get woke, go broke. And sure enough, it took about half a day. Arizona's uh, uh, governor made the announcement that he was going to be stripping financial incentives for Nike to build a plant in Arizona. I, th- I thought this was a bad idea, right? The whole thing was a bad idea. Don't pull the shoe, but you know what? Let the market decide. That's the way I see it. The government shouldn't inter- Look, if Nike doesn't want to make an American flag shoe, well, that's their decision. Right. So Arizona government intervening is a weird thing. I don't think it's a violation of the First Amendment because they don't have to be giving incentives to big corporations. There's been a lot of complaints about this. But the problem is like clockwork. I knew it was going to happen. CA governor is now saying we'll give you incentives, Nike, because apparently they don't like the American flag either. You know, it's a funny thing, California. They got they got a human waste problem. They've got typhus. There's a fear of a bubonic plague, but sure, Nike not wanting to sell American flags represents the best. Nike is a massive, you know, a corporation with no allegiance to the U.S., and they've been accused. I don't, I don't want to get into the whole thing, so I'm saying accused of uh, hiring child labor to make their shoes for, for nickels. So it's like, I'm, I'm being hyperbolic, by the way. I don't want to get sued by Nike. All allegations, as it were. I don't know what they're doing now. Apparently, they've done better. But still, why would anyone act like they're a bastion of, like, goodwill and social justice? They're not. They're a massive, faceless corporation that makes crappy shoes. Look, okay, Nike makes some good shoes, but most of their shoes are, like, garbage mall shoes. You want a good pair of shoes? Uh, I'm not going to endorse a shoe. I'm a skateboarder, so I know all about shoes. And I've got a bunch of shoes that are really good. But we'll leave it there. Let's see what's going on with California. On Tuesday night, after Nike has canceled an American flag-themed shoe, triggering Arizona Governor Doug Ducey to withdraw financial incentives uh, for Nike, California Governor Gavin Newsom tweeted that Nike was doing the right thing and represented the best of our American values. This is actually, it gets really funny, trust me. So after Doug Ducey said, Nike has made a decision, we made ours, yada yada, Gavin Newsom tweeted with a screenshot, hey Nike, we're just a quick jaunt over the border. Thank you for doing the right thing. CEA is open for business and welcomes those that represent the best of our American values. Do you know who doesn't represent the best of American values? Barack Obama. Because this is an image. I'm okay. I did a quick Google search and I said Barack Obama inauguration because I'm pretty sure this is a common thing for for inaugurations. You've got uh, three different iterations of the American flag. And lo and behold, there's the Betsy Ross original 13 colonies flag. So I guess Barack Obama doesn't represent American values the actual first black American president who had this flying behind him because Brock, like, man, you know, I got to say this, all of this insanity, like the weird far left Twitterati nonsense these politicians are doing really makes you miss Obama. Like I look, my biggest gripe with Obama was his foreign policy. And the same is true for Trump. Obama was actually worse on foreign policy than Trump was in a lot of ways, right? So domestic policy to me, it's kind of like, you know, I get it, man. We're going to argue about certain policies, but you're not going to like, so Obama was really tough on, on immigration. They called him deporter in chief. And here's Barack Obama flying the Betsy Ross flag. What happened to the party of Barack Obama? They elected him twice. And now they're claiming this flag flying behind him is, is, is racist. And it was the right thing to do to not have it on their shoes. To me, 
That is completely absurd and insane. They say, Newsom's comment, or just a quick jaunt over the border, was a response to Ducey's decision to withdraw financial incentives for Nike. Yeah, we know that. I'm not, I'm not going to read Ducey's statement. Um, he basically went into great detail about how it's like anti-American. To, to, like, you know, they don't like the flag, then they can't, you know, we won't give them incentives. You get it. But uh, we do have a lot of comments now from a bunch of people I want to get into. Say, uh, so it reads, after Trump administration banned U.S. embassies from flying the rainbow pride flag outside the embassies on the official flagpole with the American flag, Newsom responded by flying the rainbow pride flag along with the U.S. flag and the state of California flag over the state capitol in Sacramento from June 17th to the end of June. Now, this is actually an interesting, uh, it's actually really interesting, right? Nike, for all of June, has no problem flying the pride flag. And then come July, they're like, no American flags. It's like, what? What? What What are you doing? It's just so, so insane. The thing about the pride flag is that everyone was claiming Mike Pence said they can't put the flag anywhere. No, he said, literally, we can't fly the pride flag under the American flag because I think you literally can't. Like that flying the flag at an embassy means something different from flying the flag in the United States. But I guess there's so many people in this country that are just fervent, foaming at the mouth psychopaths on Twitter. They don't understand what a flag is supposed to represent. So when you're an embassy and you're flying a flag, you're saying this is you know, this space, it, you know, has its allegiance to the United States. So if you're in, say, like, I don't know, Korea, and you see the American flag somewhere, that literally means something for, for the embassies, at least. So flying the, flying the pride flag would be, I don't, I don't know if that's like a, I don't know how the international treaty works on that. But there was no rule against them putting it up. They just couldn't put it on the flagpole where the American flag was. Kind of makes sense. Everybody got all bent out of shape about it. They say Newsom takes Newsom's take that Nike represents the best of American values stands in stark opposition to uh, Senators Ted Cruz of Texas and Josh Hawley of Missouri, who blasted Nike on Twitter. Cruz wrote, it's a good thing Nike only wants to sell sneakers to people who hate the American flag, which is less than 8% of the population. Man, it's really mind blowing because I'll tell you what, find your average Democrat and liberal. Look, they sell American flags at Walmart. (laughs) Okay. It's like, Regular Americans, left, right, up, down, whatever, religious, you know, secular, whatever, they sell little American flags everywhere. You go to a convenience store, there's little American flags because people buy them. Because regular people are like, hey, and they wave the flag. It's the 4th of July coming up. Guess what? When you buy fireworks, there's American flags all over the boxes of fireworks. You're literally celebrating the 4th of July in this country to recognize independence, of which the Betsy Ross flag represents. Now we're in this weird world where I, I, you know, what's really insane about this whole story is just that Colin Kaepernick got the shoe pulled. You know what I think though? I'll say this too. I think it's possible it's a PR stunt. I really do. Colin Kaepernick, so look, it makes Colin Kaepernick look bad. Nike looks a little bad, but they're like, well, we got complaints. You know, what do we do? Here's the thing. These shoes, apparently some of them have sold for like $2,000 now because they're going to be rare collector's items. So what happens now is that this Betsy Ross shoe is going to be a rare, limited edition, controversial, high value shoe. And it's got the American flag on it. So I'll tell you what, you want to talk about Streisand effect. All that's really happened is that you've now got an extreme, like one of the most valuable Nike shoes will be a shoe with the American flag on it. So it's not, it's not doing anything for Colin Kaepernick. He just looks bad. I, 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 like, I really don't care what, what Gavin Newsom of California has to say because his state is in disarray. I mean, look, They've gone through a massive drought. There's, there's a crisis in, in, there's a lot of stuff going on with the drought and how the farmers are affected, how their economy is affected. But you've got human waste in the streets. You've got a massive homeless crisis. The super majority of Democrats couldn't solve the problem. 
and they're gonna they're, and they're, and they're gonna come out and be like, aha, no American flags, great, you're a sanctuary state who just voted to give illegal immigrants health care, and you've got a homeless problem. Listen, this is not even an argument about whether or not you should be prioritizing uh, whether or not you should be prioritizing Americans versus illegal immigrants. Set that argument aside. I think it's kind of an obvious argument to most Americans. Like, hey, if we pay taxes, we get benefits first, right? But but put that aside. It's an issue of the illegal immigrants who are coming to California are choosing to come here and homeless people sleeping in the streets in their own waste are in need of help now. But what does California do? Well, they couldn't pass. Los Angeles couldn't pass a bill for housing for the homeless. But what California sure could do is guarantee that anybody else who comes is going to get health care. That to me is completely insane. I could be getting the nuance of the bill wrong. So, so forgive me, but the general, you know, like reporting has been, they will provide a certain group, like uh, I think it's a certain age group of illegal immigrants, access to to healthcare, to government healthcare. That's just basically saying more people should come. They're a sanctuary state. They're not going to cooperate with federal law enforcement. And then they're going to, yeah, California is just such an off. I'm glad I left. You know, I, I was not enjoying that place. It really is. I don't know. Well, let's read more about the shoes. So I don't make this super long. Josh Hawley tweeted, Nike thinks America, um, the America uh, thinks American flag is symbol of oppression. What planet are you on? Nike gladly allows Chinese Communist Party to tell it what to, what products to sell while building its business around sweatshop labor. Nike is anti-American, pure and simple. Nike is a symbol of everything wrong with the corporate economy. They take advantage of our laws, but send jobs overseas for sweatshop wages, partner with repressive regimes, aggressively avoid paying any U.S. taxes, and then tell Americans to shut up and buy their stuff. He says, Nike should apologize to Americans for denigrating the flag. They should apologize to Missourians who lost loved ones defending the flag. And they should restart production of the Betsy Ross shoe at their facility in St. Charles. No, they shouldn't. They shouldn't do anything. I'll tell you what. The government shouldn't be interfering in the stupid decisions of a stupid company. If Nike doesn't want to sell the American flag shoe, well, then so be it. I didn't like Nike anyway. And I'll tell you why. It's because of the accusations Holly already made. They're an ant, like you call them anti-American, fine, whatever. But they're a company that's been, has a history, or at least has been accused of, sweatshop labor, outsourcing jobs. So whether you're a nationalist who loves America or you're a lefty who hates the the exploitation of marginalized peoples around the world, there is no reason for you to be supporting Nike. But I'll tell you what, Nike sells mall shoes and regular people want their mall shoes. But I'll tell you this, Nike, regular people like the American flag too. This is going to do like, I, I can't, you know what, man? Here's the thing. They did the, they, they did the big ad campaign with Colin Kaepernick. And then immediately brand recognition went down across the board. I covered it, you know, in a couple of videos, but their stock still recovered and went up. I think it's because they did well in spite of what they've done to their brand. Okay. Here's the thing. Nike sells mall shoes. The shoes sell because average people don't care. They just buy shoes. That means Nike's probably going to go, their stock value will go up regardless. They'll make sales regardless, but immediately following the Kaepernick ad campaign, brand recognition among all demographics went down. Like, I kid you not, there was numerous market research companies saying most people, there was a, there was a negative reaction to the ad campaign. They still made money because Nike is a big company and they know how to sell a shoe. And regular people probably just don't care too much one way or the other, but they probably would have done better had they not done this. I don't know if this will be, you know, the next big move against Nike or whatever, in terms of like, actually, will this be the one where they lose money? I really doubt it. I'm not going to buy them, but I wouldn't buy them anyway. I actually prefer buying, um, I usually just wear Vans. 
which I don't think are much better than Nike for the most part, but they're still better in some capacity. But I do like buying smaller American brand shoes, and I'm not going to throw any names out, but as a skateboarder, there's, there's a couple brands that come to mind that uh, um, are made in the U.S. and are really good shoes. And I think, look, man, whether, whether you're an American first nationalist, like I said, or a left-wing, you know, anti-exploitation, buy American-made products, plain and simple. It's really baffling to me when we see all these people, you know, complain. Like, you know, the iPod argument, or the, the iPhone argument. They, the, these people on the left talk about oppression and, and, and racism and all this stuff. And it's like, dude, do you know what's going on at Foxconn right now? You don't need to buy their product. You can buy Samsung. It's not perfect, but there are, I believe there are American-made phones. Personally, I don't care. I don't like iPhone. Like I used to use it. Uh, now I use Android, but I'm not going to be this person who walks around complaining about foreign made products or, or like, you know, oppression by the American imperial, uh, by, by American imperialism, and then go around and buy all the products that support it. That makes no sense. I get it. There's the stupid comic where they're like, we live in this society or whatever. It's like, ha, oh, I'm very intelligent, dude. Listen, man, you can't simultaneously argue like, sure, fine. Highlight the problems of these systems, but, but, but also, you know, can we point out you contribute to those systems, right? Nike, not a good company. I'll leave it there. Stick around next segment to come at uh, 1 p.m. And I will see you all then. Ocasio-Cortez doesn't seem to know where too far is. She also doesn't seem to understand that you can walk things back if you're wrong. So what happens is she says something ridiculous and refuses to apologize for it. And then in many instances, actually incorporates it into her, uh, into her platform. Take a look at what happened with the Green New Deal, right? She puts out this ridiculous FAQ that claims they, want, they, they can't get rid of farting cows and airplanes fast enough. And then she says, oh, that was a mistake. The, the, the FAQ says something about providing economic security to those unwilling to work. It was a mistake. That wasn't supposed to go out. Instead of acknowledging that it was her plan, they took heat for it. And so now they're saying it was an intern who made an error. It's not her fault, right? So let's just clarify this. She said it was a mistake. Fine. But it's her mistake, not the intern or whatever. Now she's made nonsensical statements about the border facilities, saying that they're concentration camps. What does she do? She goes on a tour and then says all of these awful things are happening and that and the CBP is a rogue agency. Very few people want to see CBP or ICE dissolved. Ocasio-Cortez does, and she doubles down. She campaigned on uh, abolishing ICE. So what happens? When the Democrats want to uh, a- approve a bill which would provide health, uh, like, like humanitarian aid to the border, Ocasio-Cortez says no. When the Democrats agreed to fund the government along with the Republicans, Ocasio-Cortez voted no. And surprisingly, Ocasio-Cortez has voted in agreement with Trump's positions inadvertently more than like half of the Democrats in the House. Now we have Dan Crenshaw saying AOC is getting bolder with her lies about border crisis, refuses to offer illegal immigration fix. So let's just make one thing clear. If the Democrats had said okay to the funding the Republicans wanted, that the mainstream media actually said they deserved, we wouldn't be seeing this crisis. This is a manufactured crisis in the sense that AOC and the far left Democrats who refused to fund the border bill have manufactured the crisis and now they're campaigning on it. Let's see what Dan had to say from Fox News. Ocasio-Cortez hasn't told the truth about her visit to a border detention facility 
and refuses to help alleviate the crisis, according to Dan Crenshaw, Republican from Texas. Crenshaw then went a step further, claiming Ocasio-Cortez is one of several Democrats who want to see open borders during a Tuesday appearance on The Story. It's sad to see. She's getting bolder with her lies on this, he claimed. Now she is saying that Border Patrol agents harassed her and forced migrants to drink out of toilets. This is insanity. This is not true. There is no one else corroborating these kinds of reports. Think about what happens when Trump says something. They say Trump claimed without evidence. Ocasio-Cortez is claiming without evidence that people were being forced to drink out of toilets. To me, this sounds like a ridiculous conspiracy theory. I'll tell you what it really sounds like, though. To me, it sounds like Ocasio-Cortez made ridiculous claims about concentration camps. She took a ton of heat for it. And now she needs to prove everyone wrong. Instead of just admitting she was wrong and it's fine and we can move on, she refuses. And it's getting dangerous. We have record numbers of migrants pouring across the border. And what does she do? Obstruct, obstruct, and now push this nonsense. Let's, I, I, I don't want to rant. I, I, I talk about this a lot. So let's read what Dan Crenshaw had to say. First, they do show a tweet from Ocasio-Cortez. She said, I can't understate how disturbing it was that CBP officers were openly disrespectful of the congressional tour. Understate how disturbing it was. I'm sorry. Okay. Ocasio-Cortez in this country, even if you are working for the government, you are not, you, you, you cannot command respect. If a CBP officer wants to laugh and you're present too bad. I kid you not. Ocasio-Cortez was claiming that they were laughing in front of her. Her words. CBP said that some guy was like behind his computer desk and showed one of his friends something and laughed and she got mad about it. Sounds like she corroborated that. Sounds like some dudes were at work, made a a joke of some sort, and she got really angry and is now demanding accountability because heaven forbid someone laughs while they're at work. She said, if officers felt comfortable violating agreements in front of their own management and superiors and superiors, That tells us the agency has lost all control of their own officers. Violating agreements? What agreements? Yet, a quote, yet she is using it to try and make her case that we shouldn't have any enforcement and that we should have open borders. This is really dishonest behavior from a member of Congress, and I honestly can't believe it. Let's talk a little bit. So, so, uh, you know, a lot of people are saying open borders. The Democrats, like the elected ones, have never openly said open borders, but what they're proposing would result in a, in, a, in a permanent underclass that would be living under, you know, uh, uh, at the whim of those who could deport, deport them whenever they want. You look at the Democratic debates where Joe Biden said we shouldn't focus on deporting, you know, illegal immigrants who don't break the rules. You look at what Ocasio-Cortez says. Actually, let's look to the DSA, the Democratic Socialists of America, of which she is a card-carrying member. They protest borders literally holding up signs saying no borders. So what can I assume Ocasio-Cortez wants? Well, when she says abolish ICE, when she doesn't offer any solutions, it seems to me like Ocasio-Cortez is the one manufacturing the crisis. If you don't fund the border facilities, they degrade. She then highlights the poor conditions as evidence of wrongdoing. It's her fault, literally. But you know what? There's going to be a bunch of people on the tribal left who just say, wow, she was right. It is bad put two and two together. If she agreed along with everyone else, instead of wanting to send her message, that's what she said, then we wouldn't be here. I'm actually really, really concerned. Uh, dis- it's, it's disconcerting about uh, what's happening on the border. There was reporting the other day that border facility, uh, border patrol agents are arming themselves over a fear of a riot, potential riots in Texas. 
When you have record numbers of migrants pouring into the country, over 100,000, 144,000 in the past month, nearly 400,000 this year, what do you think happens? We can't put them all in these facilities. They're overcrowded. They're being shipped to other places, including Portland, Maine. Eventually, there, there is just going to be a massive amount of people in a cramped detention facility. Cortez is going to complain about it. A riot will break out. And then you're going to have the right saying, deport these people, and the left saying, don't. When the Democrats offer health care, government health care to illegal immigrants, and say they won't deport them, imagine what happens. Illegal immigrants come to this country for free health care. They work crappy jobs under the table because they're not full citizens. They won't be deported. That's an underclass. But let's read on to see what uh, uh, Crenshaw had to say. Crenshaw added that he believed Ocasio-Cortez is not being forthright on the facts about illegal immigration and the influx of asylum seekers. He says, people like AOC are operating off of a false premise, and it's deliberately designed to misinform the American people for her political ends. I completely agree. First, there was no crisis at all. Then it was a manufactured crisis. Then it was a crisis completely created by Trump. Then there were concentration camps. Then people are World War II Germans, we'll put it that way. Turning to Democratic lawmaker, uh, turning to Democratic lawmakers writ large, Crenshaw said he does not see much interest in engaging with Republicans to fix the crisis. What they're really doing is trying to stand on their moral high horse and sling arrows at everybody else while not offering a solution. They fought us tooth and nail against the $4.5 million, it's, I'm pretty sure it's billion dollars, in humanitarian aid the president needed that DHS needed. He added Ocasio-Cortez and Rep. Joaquin Castro, who recorded video from inside the facility that lawmakers visited, should offer to house people who are detained instead of lamenting conditions at the border. Castro puts out this video. AOC talks about these things. Excuse me. I don't see them offering up any space in their own homes. They're not offering a better solution. What they really want is no enforcement. I imagine we'll get to a point where you will have riots at these facilities. I can't blame the migrants necessarily for wanting to riot if there's no food, if, if the water's not working properly, and they're in horrifying conditions. I can pass the blame a bit because many of these people are economic migrants coming here thinking they're going to get a you know, chance at a free job and free access to the United States and healthcare and all these things that have been promised by Democrats. California has, pro- has just passed a bill, I don't know if it's signed into law yet, saying that they'll give illegal immigrants healthcare. So no wonder they keep coming and they're coming in record numbers. But then they end up in these facilities, they get mad at the conditions, and we're facing potential riots. But what do you think happens when a riot breaks out? The armed guards will defend themselves. Someone will get hurt. The left will riot in response. Then you're going to have people escaping the facilities. It already happened in southern, in, in southern Mexico. It's like 1,000, 1,300 people escaped a facility and fled. What do you think happens then when it, when, when it comes to the U.S.? We are at critical mass. They will flee. And you'll have a massive influx of unaccountable people, people who aren't vaccinated, some people who are bad, like there are criminals and drug dealers, some people who are just migrants. Where do they go? You're then going to see a bunch of people dying in the wilderness from exhaustion, from exposure, from dehydration, etc. And that's when you see the left blame the Republicans and the Republicans blame the left. But I can only say one real thing. From the beginning, Trump said we need border security. Well, we did. We did six months ago. And the Democrats said no. AOC said no. So you know what? To reiterate my point, and we'll wrap this up, Dan Crenshaw is right about a lot of things. You know, it comes down to opinion. Do you trust Ocasio-Cortez? I certainly don't. I think for her, it's about ego. It's about being right. It's about gaining followers. She has no idea what she's talking about, and she's riling herself up, and she's, she's, 
She's radicalizing herself. She says something that makes no sense. When everyone calls her out, she gets angry and then doubles down. And she has been on a fervent tirade about insane conspiracy nonsense. There's no evidence to suggest that anybody was forced to drink from a toilet. In fact, it could just be a miscommunication because the water fountains and the toilets are the same thing. Maybe she's right. Okay. Well, the solution is obvious. Give the government the money they're asking for. But you obstructed that. And here we are today. It's no one's fault but the Democrats for resisting and obstructing. And now they're complaining. It's kind of nightmarish when you realize what they're doing. It's a complete manipulation, complete manipulation. I don't think the Republicans have all the right answers on a lot of issues. But Trump, you know, pulled back in terms of uh, the, the war with Iran. Hopefully we're still there. We'll see what happens. He crossed into the DMZ. Great moments. There has been some pretty good foreign policy decisions so far. Domestic policy. Well, in terms of the economy, hey, not bad. When, it talk, when we're talking about a bunch of other issues, there can be arguments made. When we're talking about past foreign policy decisions, there can, there can be some arguments made. But the Republicans from the beginning said crisis. And I said, okay, Democrats, what's your solution? They offered none. Where are we now? Full-blown, critical mass, detention centers degrading, over, you know, just filled beyond capacity. And the Democrats are now using this problem as political fuel. If in the beginning they were unified, we wouldn't be here. Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. Um, you know, take it from Dan Crunch. I don't take it from me, but I'm not surprised we're kind of in agreement on the issue. It's a common sense perspective. The, 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 look, even after the mainstream, you know, more established corporate Democrats agreed for the bill, Cortez still said no. She said she wanted to send a message. Okay, great. Message received loud and clear. Stick around. The next segment will be coming up at 4 p.m. on my main channel, and I will see you all shortly. This next segment is a follow-up on the main video I did for my main channel. If you haven't seen it, check it out, youtube.com slash Timcast. Joe Scarborough goes on an epic rant against woke Democrats because, look, you guys watch my show. You know what my opinion is. The woke Democrats are destroying any chance for any Democrat to come up with sane policy and actually beat the Republicans and beat Donald Trump, which is why I'm very critical of them. It's like their only plan so far is Donald Trump or is, is orange man bad. So Joe Scarborough goes in this rant, and I, I mentioned it a little bit, but I want to go through it in more detail. And I want to show you some of the, the, the biggest absurdity about what's happening with the Nike situation. So for those that aren't familiar, Nike was going to do an American flag shoe for the 4th of July. They pulled it because Colin Kaepernick complained. This sets off Joe Scarborough, and it sets off a bunch of other people to say very, very dumb things. So let's get into it. Before we get started, Head over to TimCast.com slash donate, you can, uh, where you can support my work. There's a PayPal option, a crypto option, a physical address. But of course, uh, just share the video if you like it, because YouTube no longer suggests my content. The story reads, MSNBC's Morning Joe host, Joe Scarborough, says he broke every rule he made for himself on Twitter today by posting a six-tweet venting in which he beseeched woke Democrats to refrain from blowing themselves up politically and re-electing Donald Trump. What set him off? Betsy Ross and Nike, apparently. His first post of the morning, this in a week when he, he and co-host uh, Micah Brzezinski are away from the show, was, quote, the Betsy Ross flag is now a symbol of white nationalism and slavery, not defiance against a distant monarchy. Really, Nike? PC madness is accelerating just in time for 2020. Trump feeds on your reflexive wokeness. Great job, everybody. Then, and you can see the actual tweets below, but just in case Scarborough follows through with his pledge to delete, will transcribe them here verbatim. Democratic candidates now support, one, 
Universal healthcare for illegal immigrants. Two, making illegally crossing America's borders legal. And three, a return to forced busing. Do you also now support the banning of the Betsy Ross flag from public places? Hashtag woke nation. And quote, let me disabuse woke Democrats of the notion that I expect them to adjust their beliefs and strategies to suit former Republicans. But I do want them to refrain from blowing themselves up politically and reelecting Trump. From there, he continued, but y'all be y'all and lose another election to Trump that you should have won and start by continuing to fight those who want him beaten just as badly. He said, I started going to the White House and working around presidents and prime ministers at an early age. I led a coup to drive Gingrich out as speaker in my 30s and spent time around leaders I greatly respected. Trump never raided with those leaders. Thrilled, not even close. Stop setting yourself on fire. Just beat Trump. I don't ride tigers. Fear not, I don't get eaten. And then he goes on to say, enough venting. I have broken every rule I made for myself on Twitter. I'm now going to delete these tweets over the past hour and tell those who I've gone back and forth with that we all want to vote Trump out of office next year. Everything else is a distraction. Hashtag beat Trump. Speaking of distractions, ride tigers. And so we can see he's, he links to the Wall Street Journal story where the Betsy Ross flag was removed. Now, uh, they do show all his tweets, and I think that's the gist of the story. But here's the thing. It's not just about Joe Scarborough getting angry. It's about the fact that Democrats don't live in reality anymore. And, I, and I, I'm not trying to be a dick, but I, I don't see how you can, you can claim otherwise. They really believe Twitter is real life. It's not. Twitter is like a tiny subsection of fringe activists who have gained prominence through being outraged all the time. So what is Beto O'Rourke doing? Check out this tweet from Ben Jacobs. Beto on the Nike Betsy Ross flag controversy, quote, I think it's really important to take into account the impression that kind of symbol would have for many of our fellow Americans. Respect the decision Nike made and grateful for the conversation that is provoking. Excuse me. He goes on to say, Beto had, had noted that, quote, the version of the flag that was used on Nike shoes in question has by some extremist white national groups been appropriated. No. Oh my God. No, you people have lost your minds. You know what, man? This is not true. It was some ridiculous article. I can't remember which, which nonsense woke far left outlet wrote it, where they claimed like one white nationalist guy was flying the flag. Therefore, it is a white nationalist symbol. No, please. You, you have lost your goddamn minds. Look at this photo. It's Barack Obama's inauguration. There's the flag. These people are absolutely insane. I went on the Joe Rogan podcast and I defended conservatives' right to free speech. And, you know, I really felt like I was standing on principle and that there were going to be a lot of Democrats and people on the left, people I knew who were like, why are you defending conservatives, Tim? It's not what happened. It's not. You know, listen, conservatives have a right to free speech. The platforms are biased. I acknowledge that. These Democrats are chasing after a woke nonsense narrative because the platforms won't police the psychopaths on the left. This is what you get. And, this is, and the Democrats are going to lose. I'd almost believe that Jack Dorsey is a Donald Trump supporter because everything he's doing is making sure the path is being paved by allowing these, these lunatics on the left to say whatever they want. Listen, you ban the conservatives. You shouldn't do that. They have free speech. But that leaves only clean cut presentable conservatives. When you don't ban the left, this, the insanity breeds into the mind, you know, infects the minds of Democrats who then say this kind of nonsense. So I went on the Joe Rogan podcast. I defended the free speech. And what happens afterwards? I get hit up by some professional skateboarders who are like, yo, Tim, so cool to see you on the Joe Rogan podcast. Love your content. And that's crazy to me. 
I'm thinking like, whoa, wait, what? Skateboarders tend to be lefty progressive hippies. Why are they? Oh, is it that skateboarders love freedom? Is it, is that why I'm a very freedom oriented individual? And I kid you not, I go to the skate park the other day. I meet, I meet a couple people who are like, oh man, you're Tim Pool. I was surprised skateboarders knew who I was. And it turns out in this group of people, they all kind of agreed. The Democrats are losing their minds. They're not Republicans by any stretch of the means. You, like, you'd be hard pressed, in my opinion, to find a large group of Republican skateboarders. They exist. Of course they do. They're conservative skateboarders. But skateboarders tend to be like hippies, you know, lefty, left leaning. I, I, I went to a skate park and I got threatened by a bunch of Antifa type skateboarders. And I thought that was probably what was going to happen. The, the reason I bring this up is that the people I really thought would be on the left and aligned with the Democrats aren't. The people who watch my content end up being very similar to me politically, not really Republican, kind of on the left. And, the, and they're looking at the same thing. So when I call this out, listen, no, it is not a white nationalist symbol. It is the American flag. For, for the love of all that is holy. It is the, it is the flag. It is a symbol of, a, of, of fighting back against a distant monarchy that was oppressing people. It's a, it, it's a symbol of opposing oppression. And now we can see just how insane the Democrats have gotten. They're, they're, they're acting like these weirdos on Twitter who are saying weird things. Look, this, this, I kid you not, I want to punch the camera. This is how angry I got. When Beto O'Rourke said that this version of the flag was being used by white nationalists. I'm just like, you people are literally insane. Beto O'Rourke, this sheer idiocy and ignorance has made me angrier, angrier than I've been in a long time. Like how insane do you have to be to believe this psychosis? This, and, and, and the Democrats are being dragged down. So the root of this really, it's really simple. The social media networks are allowing the psychopaths to say whatever they want, but you know what? They're allowed to say it. It's their free speech. Well, this is them crashing and burning. They, they are lighting themselves on fire. As, as uh, Joe Scarborough said, the woke Democrats are ensuring the Democrats never win again. Man, I, I, I have no idea what's going to happen after tw- in 2024. Because look, where we're at right now, the path is paved for Trump. Trump's going to win. I, I, cannot, I cannot imagine you could have Beto O'Rourke come out and say the American flag is, a sim- is being used by white nationalists. Are you nuts? Have you lost your mind? What do you think Americans are going to think when they go to vote? Like, oh, these people are crazy. Giving health care to illegal immigrants? The American flag is a symbol of white nationalism? Sorry, I'm not going to vote for that. So what do you think happens? Trump wins. I can't imagine what's going to happen in 2024. You know, I can't see the Democrats pulling any kind of uh, recovery from this. You know, it's possible that all of the woke far-left Democrats destroy their careers, and then we move into 2024 and we get more moderates again. But I don't know. I, I really don't. Maybe the Democrats do wake up a, a far left base. Listen, Trump lit up portions of the portions of this country that hadn't voted before. It's possible the Democrats do the same thing. That's what they're trying to do. I think it's a, a losing strategy because a lot of Republicans reluctantly vote for Trump. They're like, ugh, he's moved, you know, into a different area. It's like Reagan, Democrats, whatever you want to call it. Fine, I'll vote for him anyway. They have a lot of conservatives who are like, okay, I'll vote for Trump. But then you have moderates who vote for Trump. So the point is people on the far right will reluctantly vote for Trump. Moderates will reluctantly vote for Trump. But what do you get with the Democrats? Moderates aren't going to vote for you. You're going to get the far left and the left Democrats. And then what about the moderates? They're going to vote for Trump. You lose. So what happens come 2024? Beto O'Rourke actually believe this insanity. When you get Joe Scarborough of MSNBC coming out and saying you've, you've lost the plot. I'm sorry, you have. I know he's a former Republican. I get it. And he, and he brings that up, but he's not wrong. 
the Democrats have just gone absolutely insane. You know, I, I can make a million and one videos on this, but there, there it is. Beto O'Rourke saying the flag. Stick around. More segments to come in, uh, coming up in a few minutes. I will see you shortly. CNN has actually covered the Andy No incident a decent amount. I'm really, I'm actually kind of impressed. I think they could have done a better job. It does kind of suck. We're at the point where we're surprised CNN reports on a journalist being attacked by extremists, but I'm glad it's happening and I'm not going to rag on them for doing the right thing. We have an op-ed here that actually calls for unmasking Antifa. And that's interesting that CNN runs this. I also have some updates on the lawsuit and uh, compiling information on, on who Andy Noe's lawyer is going to sue. So there's a big question that's been circulating, like, I, 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 maybe not a question, but a call to action. People have been saying it's time to enforce anti-masking laws. In New York, you can't wear a mask in a group of three or more. It's like an anti-masquerading laws or something like that. A lot of people have argued it's unconstitutional. Well, at this point, I don't know what the other solution is, but maybe they shouldn't be allowed to wear masks. The Proud Boys don't wear masks, but the Proud Boys don't go out and start the fights. The Proud Boys go around, you know, waving their little flags and marching through the streets and Antifa shows up and fights them. You can disagree with the Proud Boys all day and night, but they are, they are starting their own events. Whether or not unmasking is the right answer, I'm not sure, but let's take a look at this op-ed and then we'll jump over to some of the updates on the lawsuit. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's a PayPal option, a crypto option, a physical address, but of course, the best thing you can do is just share this video. YouTube no longer suggests my content. Uh, in the way they used to, because I guess they don't like news and politics anymore. It's hitting everybody. But if you like my content, please share it to help spread the news. From CNN, we need to pay attention to the attack on Andy No. Spot on. I completely agree. And it's about damn time. They, uh, the, uh, in, uh, in the story, they write, nothing quite exemplifies tolerance like the video of masked young people hurling objects and screeching profanities at a young conservative journalist. The viral images are sickening. Andy No, a photojournalist and editor at the online magazine Quillette, who has made a cottage industry of exposing instances of manufactured hate crimes, was viciously assaulted while covering an Antifa rally held as a counter-protest to a right-wing rally uh, to a rally of right-wing groups, including the Proud Boys in Portland, Oregon. They go on to explain what Antifa is. I get it. We know what Antifa is. The video shows masked protesters circling No, punching and hitting him, and dousing him with a milkshake, then following him as he flees. One hurls something at his back. Too often we are seeing yada yada. Regularly, uh, regular and potentially lethal violence by masked protester assailants is too often excused and condoned by Twitter warriors. This must, must not be our new normal. Simply bearing a name that says you're opposed to evil, like anti-fascist, should not inure us to your unprovoked violence and unconstitutional attempts to block others' free speech rights. Everyone, right and left, must condemn and literally unmask this behavior, not glorify it for political ends. Whoa. I'm going to give you a little applause here, CNN op-ed. I agree. Unmask the behavior, left or right, call out the violence and defend free speech. Spot on. Never thought I'd be sitting here saying, good job, CNN, but here we are. And you know what? Respect where it is earned, credit where it is due. He says, no also made several posts. Well, let's move on to the anti-masking stuff. He does add that according to police, there was, they, they said that there, some milkshakes were laced with a substance similar to quick drying cement. And so conservative journalists received this, received his, in the view of these radical left protesters, quote, just desserts. He says, uh, actually, I want to get to the, to the anti-masking stuff specifically. Well, I'll, I'll just read it. I'll just read it. 
It is no secret that in the post-Ferguson era of policing, many in law enforcement are worried about being accused of provoking protesters, even those who break the law in plain view of uniformed police. Former FBI director James Comey described the phenomenon as the Ferguson effect of viral video uh, or viral video effect. We exist in a structured civil society where lawful protests are considered one of the foundations of our nation. But some organizers ignore current laws and the the get-go by failing to comply with a requirement to obtain a permit. The right to gather and protest is not absolute. Under the Constitution, the Supreme Court has found we all have the right to peaceably assemble, provided a permit is secured in advance, and all local laws are followed that mandate when and where the protest may take place. Too often, protesters of all stripes ignore these laws, choosing to mobilize via online appeals without involving government officials in their plans, or they defy the terms of their permit when a protest gets out of hand. What's more, for many of the current crop of young protesters, like some of those in Portland, attacking an unarmed journalist whose views they abhor is somehow noble and carries with it the breathtaking exhilaration of anonymity, courtesy of a face, scarf, or mask, much simpler when so adorned to get away with saying and doing things that might arguably draw charges of incitement to riot. So here we go. Let's talk about anti-masking laws. Anti-masking laws are nothing new. An 1845 New York state law was was a response to a dispute between landowners and tenant farmers who worked their land. New York City later grappled with this law during the 2011 Occupy Wall Street clash with protesters. Some masked who took over a public park. At least five Occupy protesters were cited for violating the law then, according to Joe Coscarelli, writing in New York Magazine. There is no question. Masks afford anonymity. And so, since political protests might turn into confrontations with police or counter-protesters, why should we not strictly forbid their usage in these instances? Certain restrictions should not be considered unconstitutional impingements on free speech. One resonant example I think we, we, can, get all be, uh, we can all get behind, in 1990, the Georgia Supreme Court reinstated a 1951 state ban on the Klan's hood-wearing during the Jim Crow era. To be sure, Antifa is not a movement or the malignant uh, or the malignant order of the Klan, but we need to recognize that the principle is the same. When particular groups are predisposed to violence, we have an obligation to strip them of their anonymity. And for those who claim their mask must be viewed as constitutionally protected free speech, recall the late journalist and social commentator Nat Hentoff, who aptly described this affliction as free speech for me, but not for thee. Well, spot on. He says. So if we demand our alt-right and neo-Nazis gather sans face covering, then that edict should apply to counter-protesters like Antifa as well. To consider anything less would be unconstitutional. Also keep in mind that masked anonymity shields provocateurs and protects them from identification and subsequent prosecution for criminal acts, like the assault on Andy No. Unmasking these miscreants, uh, unmasking these miscreants better positions society to hold them to account or in the immortal words of early 20th century Supreme Court Associate Justice Louis D. Brande, sunlight is said to be the best of disinfectants. Interesting argument. Maybe we'll come back to the rest, but that's basically the point I wanted to highlight. First, CNN. Wow. Calling for action against Antifa. That's pretty impressive because I didn't expect it to happen. But here we have, let me refresh this, a post from Harmeet K. Dillon, who is representing Mr. Andy No with an update. She says, supporters of Mr. Andy No." Researching and suing individual, one, criminals who planned, supported, and executed felony assaults, government actors who exacerbated, exacerbated, enabled assaults, and three, 
blue checkmark ilk defamers, assault journalist deniers will take substantial resources. If you are a crypto Bitcoin holder and want to contribute, please DM or approach at law firm and I can provide wallet details. Otherwise, there is an online fundraiser for Andy here, which we should open up and take a look at. We are off to a good start, but this is a marathon, not a sprint. One can also send a check to my law firm, noting that this is for the benefit of Mr. Andy Noe's legal fund and only placed in a trust for his legal cases. So I, uh, so, so far, where we're at with the Andy Noe lawsuit, his initial fundraiser last time I checked is, a, is close to $190,000. Now, I'll stress this again. I've said it in the other videos. That may sound like a lot of money. It is, but Andy is suffering from a head injury which may result in recurring a, a recurring injury or chronic fatigue and other things that are going to qu- require uh, require long-term medical care. 190 might not be enough. Additionally, however, I don't know how much they're trying to raise for their legal fund, but they've reached 16% of their goal. I will say, beyond unmasking Antifa, there is something that is is way better in my opinion. Arguing that the government has a right to demask people is, man, I don't know if the government has a right to tell you you can't wear a mask, right? I understand it's in a specific circumstance, but I'll tell you what does, what does, uh, uh, what, what, you know, what language do people speak better than English? The language of money. Go for their resources. A lawsuit can do just that. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do or otherwise, but I will say this. If you want to talk about effectiveness in, in stopping what Antifa is doing, who's funding the milkshakes? What organizations are collecting the funds? A lawsuit can expose this and also take those resources away. Further, the lawsuit can, can target the government in terms of protecting free speech and, you know, forcing the police to actually do their jobs. But more importantly, it will go after the individuals who think they have a right to do this and can get away with it without being caught. So it's twofold. The masks are protecting their identities. Without the masks, it's easier to sue them. But Lawsuits can also result in discovery and other things like that. And we can find out more about who these people are and what they're doing. So that's basically the update. CNN calling for unmasking and Harmeet K. Dillon push it, putting more pressure on the fundraiser they have for Andy, Andy No. If you want to support him, it's up to you. I think it's, we, we should be careful about a lot, a lot of the hyperbole that's been circling around about what happened. But for the most part, Andy was attacked. It is not justified. The violence should be called out, period. If you want to support him, Harmeet K. Dillon has the post up on Twitter and, you know, we'll see what CNN says or how, how you know, the far left reacts to this. Because now when you got CNN on board, you've lost the mainstream. It's just the fringe weirdos defending this. So stick around. More segments to come. And I will see you in a few minutes. My understanding is that the New Republic is a leftist magazine. And they have this article, this story, Antifa is arming itself against a Trump crackdown. Will leftist pro-gun groups deter political violence or inflame it? Well, in my opinion, they will inflame it. Because listen, when you have people who show up with guns, then other people show up with guns. I'm not going to act like the left started showing up with guns. It was the right. You had a lot of people like the Oath Keepers, I believe the Three Percenters, they show up to events, they have guns. So Redneck Revolt and other groups have started getting armed. Here's the thing. It's not the right that typically starts the violence. It's the left. So now that the left is showing up with guns, I think it's just going to get worse. So let's take a look at this story um, from uh, the New Republic. Before we get started, you can head over to timcast.com donate if you'd like to support my work. There is a PayPal option, a crypto option, and a physical address. But of course, share the video if you think it's worth sharing because YouTube doesn't suggest my videos like they used to because there's been a big crackdown on politics. But let's get to the news. Now, 
again, the New Republic, I believe, is like, like far, I believe is far left. So it'll be interesting to see what their opinion on left-wing uh, arming is. But I will stress, I feel like we're seeing, these are, the, these are the precursors to some kind of civil conflict. When you have left-wing groups and right-wing groups that think one side is fascist and the other side is communist or whatever, at some point, someone's going to get shot, right? I mean, if the guns are there, violence breaks out, someone will overreact. I don't think it's going to be the trained, you know, honest, you know, uh, like people who know how to use guns. The people who come out to these rallies who are armed, like even uh, Oath Keepers and even Redneck Revolt, in my experience, tend to be trained. They know what they're doing. They're not just crazy people who picked up guns. But I will say, you will eventually get some crazy person who says, I want to do this too. And that person will overreact. But let's read. Liberals are notoriously loath to take their own side in a fight. But their reticence may well be changing in an age of vigilante white nationalist terror, openly condoned and supported by an incumbent president. What? Incumbent president. Sure. He's his first term. Who has suggested that his armed devotees won't stand for his removal from office. Increasingly, the Antifa left is arguing and training in response. They are worried not only about an armed reckoning following a contested election, but also about rising violence from the paramilitaries loyal to President Donald Trump. Consider the tense political climate in the Pacific Northwest, where Washington State Representative Matt Shea, a doe-faced Christian dominionist from Spokane, made news last year when his instructions on how to build a holy army that would kill all males who refuse to submit to biblical law leaked to the press. He, I'm not going to read this. What do you say? Assassination to remove tyrants is just not murder, he wrote. The tyrant he referred to was not Trump, of course, but the communists he imagined running the government. Such paranoid fantasies may be familiar to heavy consumers of YouTube and Reddit, but watching them transposed onto the structures of governance is a novelty. As a result, many leftists and even some liberals are beginning to reconsider their feelings about firearms, joining a loose amalgamation of gun groups, from John Brown gun clubs, which take their name from the abolitionist, to the Pink Pistols, an LGBTQ group, liberal gun club, and socialist rifle association. Some of these organizations are moderate and traditionalist, others radical and revolutionary, but all share one implicit goal, to normalize firearm ownership and training among liberals. Some of their members hope such efforts will at least make Republicans think twice before attempting a massacre. So I'll, I'll ask you this about Republicans. When has a Republican done that? There have been ridiculous fringe extremists, sovereign citizens, and white nationalists, but Republicans are like run-of-the-mill middle America and flyover states who go to church on Sundays. This is the big problem I see with escalation. The far left isn't looking at the fringe right. They're looking at Republicans. They're looking at conservatives and saying, you're the bad guy. When you talk about far-right violence, they think conservatives are the same group. They're not. They're different. Just like I can recognize, excuse me, that Democrats are not the same as the far left extremists. You know, if, if I see a Democrat on the street, it's probably just some dude who like voted for Barack Obama or something. It's different from Antifa. In fact, when you look at these protests, like even the protest where Antifa attacked Andy No, you will see people try to protect and stop the violence. Now they get attacked by Antifa because Antifa is crazy, but you know, there you go. There's a difference. The far left doesn't see the difference. The far right does. The far right, you know, crazies know that regular Democrats aren't the far left. They're still crazy and they'll still try to hurt people. Here's, <coughs> excuse me, here's the new republic equating Republicans with the worst of the worst on the right. And that spells danger for Republicans 
Because when Trump supporters want to go out and just say like, hey, I vote a Republican, then, the, then these far leftists come out and attack them, calling them white supremacists, etc. Let's read on. Whether that approach will inflame political violence, especially in hot spots like the Pacific Northwest, or deter it remains uncertain. In April, Shea spoke in an open carry rally in Olympia, which drew hundreds of people, many armed with AR-15s and shotguns. About 10 members of the Puget Sound John, uh, John Brown Gun Club were also there, handing out flyers mocking Shea, and another speaker, Joey Gibson of Patriot Prayer, who they said attracted and embraced. I'm not going to read. That's ridiculous. I'm not going to read what they said. Want to defend your community from people like Matt Shea, one flyer asked. At the moment, the Puget Sound John Brown Gun Club, which was founded less than four months after Trump took office, has around 30 active members. But its firearm safety and marksmanship workshops fill up faster every time the club hosts them. Full members undergo lengthy vetting, but anyone can come to learn how guns work, what the parts are, and how to handle them safely before going to the range and learning to shoot. We're talking about white liberals, mostly women, who are like, let's get this class going. The club's founder, Duke Aaron, said two years ago, these people would be like, guns, this is terrible. That's not the reaction now. You know what that sounds like to me? Escalation. The good news is for the two-way proponents, hey, you get liberal, liberals on your side, they're not going to ban guns. The bad news is this leads to dramatic escalation. Hopefully, it doesn't come to that. But I think it will. Because the rhetoric has been flowing in one direction. They're, they're calling Republicans the worst of the worst. They're saying Republicans may commit a massacre. That's absurd. And they're buying guns. If these people are really unhinged and think there's evil demons voting for Trump and that everyone's, you know, a racist, then they're going to feel justified in doing what they do. Think about the rhetoric they put up by Matt Shea, where he claimed that, you know, killing a tyrant was justified. They think the same thing. They justify the attack on Andy No. What do you think's going to happen when they have guns now? It's just escalation, but let's read on. They say, Trump deserves most of the blame for this particular uptick in gun sales. And there was an uptick after Obama got elected. It happens. In March, he told Breitbart, I have the support of the police, the support of the military, the support of the bikers for Trump. I have the tough people. It would be very bad, very bad if his followers decided to play tough in those remarks. Some saw not Trumpian swagger or machismo. Adrian Bonenberger, an Afghanistan combat veteran, writer, and member of the Socialist Rifle Association told me, but an incredibly thin-veiled threat, thinly-veiled threat. Not all threats these days come veiled. Former Trump advisor Roger Stone has used the Proud Boys. Oh, here we go. A group of neo-fascist men who describe themselves as Western chauvinists as his own private security force. Border militias have been conducting vigilante operations against suspected undocumented immigrants. But these are all different groups. They're not unified. And not only that, the Proud Boys are pro-free speech. I don't see how you can actually call that, you know, neo-fascist. But, uh, but let's, let's, let's jump forward and get closer to the end because we're, we're kind of getting closer wrapping up. They say Bonenberger believes it would take at least 20 years to create a force to rival the conservative militias that boast tens of thousands of members. By comparison, Antifa has a combined membership in the low thousands, and even fewer people belong to armed leftist groups. They have been responsible for only a handful of attacks in recent years. In April, the FBI announced it had thwarted a plot by a veteran who had been planning to target white nationalists in Los Angeles, but the bomb was fake. It had been supplied by FBI agents. Polls show conservatives remain twice as likely as, likely as liberals to own guns, and that won't change anytime soon. Even if it did, it wouldn't alter the underlying problems. 
the climate of vigilante violence on the right has elevated race, has elevated racist attacks, hate crimes, and terrorism in our political culture. And this is the dangerous rhetoric. They are telling the left, hey, here's guns. Look what the right is doing. But they're not different, you know, creating a dissociation between the crazy right wingers like the far right fringe weirdos and regular old Republicans. They're viewing them as the same group. They say even veterans of leftist armies caution against forming one in America. If people want to prepare for revolution, they should become labor organizers, said Brace Belden, a former volunteer with a Kurdish communist militia turned factory organizer back home in San Francisco. Matriculating anyone from a gladiator school in the service of any agenda may be the sort of stress test our democracy wasn't engineered to withstand. I'll tell you what's going to happen. You saw the rhetoric. I've explained the point. These people show up with guns. Conser- you know, conservatives show up with guns. Eventually, someone throws a bottle. Someone goes, you know, some crazy leftist or somebody gets scared and fires the weapon. Somebody draws the weapon. The conflict occurs. A crazy person could trigger the civil war by going out on purpose armed and starting the fight. It is not good for people to be armed, regardless of your political faction, when you like at these events, because it will get bad. Let me know what you think. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment will be tomorrow at 1030, podcast every day at 630 p.m., and I will see you all then.